entrepreneurship used to be a long and winding journey. Even if you had an amazing idea, not anymore. Learn from entrepreneurs who had the drive to take it to the next level. From Studio BAGC, join our host, Shil Niyogi, the author of two best-selling books on growing businesses and engaging customers while doing so. And buckle up for a new episode of Driven. This one and only podcast to help you connect the dots and successfully drive your business on roads less travelled. Welcome to another show of the Driven Podcast. I'm your host, Shil Niyogi. And today on our show, we have Serge Allen Wanchi, who has a unique product at the intersection of health tech and fintech. I know that somehow the hierarchy of needs is skewed for some of my close relatives. And if I send money to them for getting a knee surgery, they would rather use that to buy a gift for a distant cousin. So that is where Serge Allen's product comes in as it sends payments directly to the pharmacies and cuts away the middleman and even the patient in this process. His product is already in the market and he's looking now to scale and expand. Serge Allen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Shil. Thank you for having me. Sure. So please tell us about your product. Yes, so uh, our product is a mobile app that enables members of the diaspora community, people living outside of their countries, but also generally anybody who lives away from loved ones. Right? It could be somebody who lives in the city when the, the rest of the family lives in rural areas. So really our product enables people in that situation, those migrants, to be able to take care of their family love, their, their loved ones' uh, healthcare needs, not by sending them money directly, but rather by paying providers, so pharmacists and clinics directly, so that their loved one can access medicine and healthcare services. Great, great. So now, do I use it like I would use a typical MoneyGram app um, on my uh, mob, uh, on my phone or my laptop, or how does it normally behave, user experience-wise? So, in terms of user experience, we wanted to enhance the experience that typically uh, an immigrant who sends money through Western Union MoneyGram will have. Because one of the challenges, one of the things that we don't have currently, right, when it comes to taking care of our loved ones, we don't have a means to get information, accurate on-time information on what their needs are. Sure. So that's one of the things that we don't have when we use, you know, very transactional money transfer uh, services. So our platform essentially enables me as a supporter to enlist as many family members that I want to sponsor as possible on the platform, on the app. And whenever they have a prescription, 
whenever they have a need for medical services. Well, our network of pharmacies and providers can simply enter a prescription, for instance, right, or a medical bill on our mobile app, and I will receive a notification on sure. my phone that my mother's prescription is available at the pharmacy or that my mother needs to, to renew her prescription or has a medical expense. And I can just verify and then pay directly with my mobile phone. So the money goes directly to the providers. And at the same time, there is a pin that is sent to my beneficiary, right? My mother or family member or relative that they can then present at the pharmacy, right? And then Great. the pharmacy will enter that on their system to confirm the, the identity of the beneficiary and will then deliver the medicine to them. And in terms of, of user experience as well, so we, we wanted to make sure that because this is healthcare, we wanted yeah. to make sure the transaction will be as fast as possible, actually faster than what you can have, you know, with, uh, with Western Union or MoneyGram, because what happens is really the last mile, right? So yeah. if I send in Western Union MoneyGram, I send it to an individual who has to go to a MoneyGram or Western Union operator to recoup the, the, the funds and then find his way to the pharmacy. In our right. case, no need to go to an operator because the pharmacy is actually the, the delivery point of yeah. the service. That's the end point. And then we can actually automate that. I can pre-authorize right, a certain amount of money for my loved ones so that they can walk in and out of the pharmacy with their medicine without having to call me. And this is really important because there could be an emergency, a medical emergency um, in, in Africa, for example, during sure. the night while sleeping here, right? Instead of waiting for me to wake up the next day and be notified of what's, what's going on, I yeah. can pre-auto a certain amount so that the loved ones can just go in the pharmacy Right, and then uh, walk out with the medicine without even notifying me. So speed is important because it's healthcare. Convenience is important as well because I think that so today, you know, we are used to the, the, t- the type of experience uh, when we shop online at Amazon. Right, we expect that type of experience to to replicate itself whenever we engage right in any mobile transactions, and we right. wanted to reflect that level of expectations that consumers now have. Trust is the other factor, right? So we, we want to make sure that because it's healthcare and it's really important that the, the network of pharmacies that are part of our uh, supply side are trusted pharmacies, right? So their registration is in place, that uh, um, they are in good standing with the pharmaceutical association, with the pharmacy and pharmaceutical association with whom we have partnerships. But we also make sure that the type of medicine that they sell is not counterfeit. Right. Right. So now, in order to create this, this chain or network of pharmacies, that may have taken a lot of work for you, right? Uh, kind of talking to them, identifying the right fit for you, and then essentially engaging them in, in a, a long contract. So, so tell us about that experience. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, so if you, if you take any sub-Saharan African country, uh, you can look at the, uh, the type of, of pharmacies that you will most likely encounter. It's going to be a mom and pop 
type of pharmacies, right? So right. Um, it's only really in the past five years or so that we've started seeing, um, you know, an, an increasing number of pharmacy chains. But typically those are, you know, uh, mom and pop type pharmacies, you know, who may have one, two or three, right, pharmacies, and, you know, across the, across the town or the city. So um, you, can, you can imagine that the challenge now is how do you bring, you know, such large fragmented pharmacies on the platform, right? How do you ensure that they operate efficiently? How do you check their registration? How do you, uh, you know, ensure that they have the right basic technology to be able to engage with your platform? Right. So there's a lot. There's a lot of business development work uh, to, to conduct in, in order to onboard pharmacies. The other, the other critical challenge that, um, that we had to solve for is, you know, this is, these are cross-border payments, right? Yeah. And so our proprietary uh, system enables us really to terminate the payments into the, the pharmacy's account. Now, the pharmacies typically will have an account at the bank, right? And, and you can expect that different pharmacies will have, you know, possibly different bank, bank accounts, right? Or bank with different banks. Yes. When it comes to efficiency of termination of the payments, right? Essentially, we build API, right, to, to integrate with banks. So one of the challenges that, you know, you have to build APIs, you know, to integrate with 10 different banks. <laughs> so yeah. um, one of the things that we, we decided to do uh, because almost every merchant now in, in African countries has a mobile money account, right? Right. So uh, terminating through a mobile money account was more efficient than terminating through banks, right? So that was a way to really ramp up our ability to onboard uh, very quickly large numbers of pharmacies. So um, really in terms of pharma experience, pharmacy experience, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's been a challenge. The other challenge, you know, Shiel, that we were facing is the availability of medicine. Yeah. So, so um, you know, it is very, very customary that you will, um, you will have to visit two, three, four different pharmacies before you can find your medicine in sub-Saharan Africa. And typically this is because, uh, you know, typically pharmacies don't have a good inventory management system. Yeah. So typically they will close the shop, you know, once every three months and count their inventory by hand, right? Or they will, they will have an Excel spreadsheet, right? You know, to track, you know, uh, medicines that are, uh, you know, on hand and, and out of stock. Very inefficient. Oh, wow. So one of the things that we decided to do um, was to implement what we call a pharmacy in a box. It's essentially, it's a hardware and a software. Very inexpensive. We developed it, you know, through uh, open source. That enables a typical pharmacy, a sub-Saharan African pharmacy, to operate with the same efficiency as a, a CVS or Walgreens, right? Sure. So um, it will have the inventory management, management system. It will have essentially the, all the, the business processes, right, of a, of a pharmacy will be essentially present in that, in that small device, which is about the size of two decks of cards, right? Oh, uh-huh. But develop, we developed that, uh, that technology in Africa, right? Um, you know, with uh, a typical sub-Saharan African 
um, pharmacy in mind and with their needs, um, we really tweaked it, right, to, to enable um, even a loyalty program, right, to enable to track drug expiration, right, to be able to, to even ensure that uh, the medicine, the death of medicine is minimized. <laughs> because yeah. this, is, this is, believe it or not, this is a problem, a big problem for pharmacists. You know, employees steal medicine. Right? It's very, yeah. very, and then we sell them on the, the black market. So our system also in, ensures you know, a chain of custody, right, of, uh, of, of medication inside the, uh, the pharmacy. And sure. the whole system works even if there's no electricity, right, for extended period of time, which is something that, uh, that is very, you know, uh, frequent in Africa. Um, it also works offline. So, so essentially, a pharmacist can, can operate a pharmacy in a box, right? And at the end of the day, uh, he can put it in his Synchronize. Body, right? Go home where he has Wi-Fi and synchronize, yes. right? Without his inventory and then bring him back to the pharmacy the next day. So with that, um, we ensure that not only the payments are going to the right Right, the right uh, uh, recipient, right? In this case, the pharmacist and the physicians, and the clinic. But we also ensure that um, the the services are available, the medicines are available, right? Um, so that the, our beneficiary don't have to um, unnecessarily visit several pharmacies to have their their medicine. In fact, we also deliver, right? We also offer uh, the delivery of medicine at convenience, in order a way to enhance the. Experience. experience. Wow. So that's, that's a lot of work. So you must have gone through a lot of iterations of this product, right? So you, you, you kind of started with one service in mind, and then you, you pivoted to another service, which made more sense at that point in time. So, so now taking a step back and kind of understanding what inspired you and what, what's the backstory of all of this. And then we can talk a little bit about some of the challenges you had while you were iterating on uh, the product and getting to the, the current product that you have. Absolutely. You know, the, the inspiration behind um, diaspora care uh, was really our own experience, right? As, as immigrants, who right. have a moral obligation, right? To help families back home. Yes. Right? So our, our families invest in us, right? When they send us um, to, uh, you know, to study abroad or to, to work abroad. I left Cameroon when I was 18 years old. So uh, I've always had in the back of my mind, right? As I, I lived, you know, through, uh, through my adult life and, and career, how do I bring back, right? Some of the things that I've, uh, I've learned. And, um, you know, the idea of the Aspocare really came very naturally. Uh, one of uh, my uh, good friend at the time, uh, Fabien Eju, uh, we were actually involved in another uh, startup. This, this one was, uh, you know, agricultural based. So, you know, he said, you know, um, aren't you tired, you know, when family members call you, um, you know, to, uh, to help with uh, medicines, you know, you send money and then you find out <laughs> that yeah. they never bought medicine, right? Um, you know, what if, what if we, we could have a system where we, we have more accountability, where we actually have uh, more assurance around how the funds are used, right? 
So um, one of the idea was, what if we could pay the pharmacist directly? Yeah. What if we could pay a doctor directly? Right. And, and then um, what was really interesting about that idea was that not only it solved the last mile, right, issue, um, and it, it's not a matter of, it's not a matter of, uh, you know, folks back home, um, you know, not being, you know, harnessed or whatever, right? You know, you, you have to understand that um, two-thirds of people in many African countries actually have close or less than, uh, you know, $5 a day, right? Essentially, they are close to poverty line. Right. And when you look at their expenditures, when you look at their budget, it turns out that after they've paid for food, for housing, um, clothing, uh, utility, they barely have 5% left, right, for anything else. Yeah. And now you have, you know, social engagements, right? You have weddings, you have funerals, you have, uh, you know, children who are born, uh, you know, all the celebration, societal celebration, um, it's essentially there's no funds left for healthcare. Right. Typically, right? And essentially they gamble. They gamble with their lives. Uh, if there's a health crisis, very often they will sell a productive asset, right? To yes. be able to, um, you know, to finance the, the, that health need at that point. So because of that, 100 million people every year fall deeper into poverty, essentially fall into extreme poverty because of the cost of healthcare. This is uh, World Health Organization uh, data. Wow. But, so when we really think about the issue behind, you know, the, the diversion of funds that we send to our loved ones, right? It's really, that's, that's really what's at the root of the problem. It's, it's a problem of, of, uh, of, of affordability, right? Uh, medicine is expensive, but also it's a poverty problem. So, um, you know, uh, with that in mind, we started thinking, you know, with two thirds of family members not having access to healthcare, you know, this system actually, if we were able to um, enable micropayments, for instance, that could actually help folks. Because very often, so the malaria medicine may cost a dollar, right? Yeah. But my uncle in the village doesn't have a dollar. And he doesn't have his dollar every time he has malaria. And my aunt, my aunt that has diabetes, right? Even if the cost of diabetes medicine came down significantly, right? Because sometimes those medicines are priced lower, right? For, for developing countries. Still, she will not be able to afford it. Right. So we designed this platform really to maximize healthcare inclusion, right? Our vision is really how do you reduce the, the likelihood that folks back home will have to incur uh, a healthcare catastrophic spending, right? Right. So by enabling micropayments, now I can spend a dollar on this platform, you know, when my uncle has malaria and he will get his medicine. Now, I will never send him a dollar through Western Union or MoneyGram if he told me that he, he, uh, he needed medicine, right? I'll send yeah. him 50 bucks or I'll send him $100. But in reality, right, I'm paying $100 for something that costs only, 
you know, a dollar or so. And, and this actually is a barrier, right, to, to including more people, to supporting more people. So our platform was really designed, right, to maximize healthcare inclusion through macro payments. Wow, absolutely. So now I know that you have been, in, in your career, you have kind of been in different roles and you went to business school yourself. So how did those experiences actually help you shape this product? Hmm. You know, the, the, uh, the way I think about, about the career, I mean, it's almost been, uh, you know, if you were to model, <laughs> model my, my path throughout the years, it's be, almost been random, you know? I mean, if yeah. you, you just looked at that and sometimes I've, asked, I've been asked, how do you go from being a scientist, right, to being, uh, you know, to go into business school and to be doing the, step, the type of things that you, that you did? And I've worked in, in biomedical research. I was trained in biomedical research. Um, I, was a, I was a faculty um, uh, at, uh, at Penn State College of Medicine. I did a postdoc at Cornell. Um, but I, uh, you know, I went, I worked for Cargill, the largest uh, agribusiness in the world for quite a few years. I worked for Colgate Palmolive, right? Uh, right. Doing intellectual property management and, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, licensings and partnerships and those types of things. Um, I found my way back into healthcare, you know, working at children's uh, hospitals and clinics uh, of Minnesota um, in uh, strategy, business development, innovation. Really to answer your question, I think that at the end of the day, um, I, I, I celebrated every experience, everything that I've learned or done throughout my career, I think has prepared me for, for the type of challenges that diaspora care is posing. Uh, this, this is not an easy issue that we're trying to solve with diaspora care. And, um, uh, you know, without, uh, you know, this, this uh, aggregation of, of resilience and, and trials and tribulations, you know, one, one would have quit you know, uh, a while ago. We've been at this for years. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but at the same time, but at the same time, we realized that, I mean, there's no way, there's no way, Sheila, I can go in my, I can go to my mother tomorrow and say, you know, mom, that, you know, we, we had to close the shop because, you know, that diaspora care thing was just too tough. You know, we, uh, we just couldn't do it. I, to, you know, to us, right, the, the co-founders of diaspora care, it's unthinkable. This is a problem that affects us, right? We have the opportunity here to lift millions of people, right, out of poverty, at least shielding them from uh, a catastrophic, you know, healthcare spending or protecting them from falling deeper into poverty. We can't quit. We can't. Because we, so we, we know, right, that um, today it's a lot easier to solve this problem than it was last year. Right. Many things are together. Right, uh, so you have digital transformation across healthcare. You have uh, an explosion of fintech innovation, right? In the past uh, ten years, really, uh, but but I mean, it's it's gaining speed, and this is global, right? A lot yeah. of fintech innovation actually were developed out, out of necessity, right? In uh, in India and and in Africa, right? In countries like Kenya, and today, essentially, you have um, a convergence. Of, of those innovations, right, really coming together to reduce not just the cost of, um, you know, cross-border payments, uh, but also you have the emergence of platform, 
right? Those sort of platforms essentially that connects global payers with local merchants to create a more localized experience in shopping. Right. And enabling people like us, right, who live outside of our countries, essentially to uh, not only put, you know, merchants in our own country on a global map, right? Because now Cameroonians in Chicago, right, can choose a pharmacy that is closest to their loved ones in Cameroon, right? As right. the preferred place, you know, to transact on diaspora care. But it's also, you know, ensuring that the convenience of delivering goods as we've been, we've been now accustomed to, right, through uh, Amazon, right, that we can also provide that same type of, 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 of experience to our loved ones locally. So this is the right time to solve this problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just a follow-up question on that, actually follow up a couple of questions, because while you were talking, I was thinking, and you mentioned about India as well. So A, is are you looking to grow in India and Southeast Asia? And then B, are you also looking at assisted living as a possible service offering since you already have the network established with the pharmacies? So we are kind of looking to do kind of um, just get a little bit economies of scope. Absolutely. absolutely. No, sure, that's, an, that's an excellent question. You know, when we, when we really looked at the scope of, of the problems that we were facing, Right. right. So we uh, we segmented um, globally already this opportunity. So it's looking at, uh, for instance, you, so you take twelve of the most prescribed drugs, right, and you compare the price. Just looking at the affordability challenge. So you compare the price, uh, you know, uh, in a, in a given country versus, let's say, uh, an international median price. So we use that um, as a proxy for, you know kind of mapping affordability of medicine across the world. So it turns out that, uh, so Latin American countries actually are countries where you have the lowest affordability, right? Medicines are actually extremely expensive in Latin America. They are in Africa as well. Uh, but even in places like India, right, where you have an explosion of, of generics, right? Still, not a lot of people, right, uh, can afford medicine. Right. One of the one of the challenges also is when you look at the poverty rate, right? How many people in a given country, right, essentially live below poverty? And when you really bring those things together, you realize that it's really a global problem. So, um, so we we decided to to construct a matrix, right? Affordability versus remittances, right? So we also looked um, on the other side. On the other hand, we looked at how much money migrant transferred back to their country, right? And as, a, as a proxy for, you know, assisting folks, right? Right. And it turns out, when you cross the two, so India, India today, uh, the Indian diaspora remits close to $72 billion a year, more than any other country. Yeah. Right? Um, so China is, what, close to $65, $68 billion, Right, and then you have you have the Philippines around fifty billion dollars. Um, you have uh, Mexico, you know, above uh, thirty thirty two billion dollars. You have Egypt twenty eight billion dollars, and you have Nigeria, you know, fifth largest remittance country in the world, twenty three billion dollars. So when you map, you know, the flow of monies, 
right, from the, of migrants back to their countries versus um, the affordability. Essentially, you can build a matrix, right? So using that matrix, we identify 10 countries globally where this is a ripe opportunity for, right? So um, countries uh, like Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana in Africa and, and other African countries, but also, um, you know, Mexico, right? Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, Vietnam, in India and China, right? Um, those are countries where uh, this opportunity uh, actually is is also very relevant. And we uh, we actually are, um, looking for partnerships, right, to be able to uh, to expand in, in such countries. Great, great. Uh, so, and then so yeah, you, you also have about assisted living, yeah. assisted living. I mean, so the the evolution really. I mean, when you when you look at the globalization, right? Uh, um, when you look at uh, uh, migration patterns and and so forth, I mean, you certainly have a fairly significant. Um, wave of migrants returning to their countries, right? Right. After pursuing a career uh, abroad. But at the same time, you have other folks who, who don't, right? Who settle, right? They have children. You know, it's the case for me, right? So I have, uh, I have two daughters who are born in the United States, right? Right. Uh, love Cameroon. They love Africa. They love the African culture, but they, they love even more the American culture because <laughs> this is where grew up. I don't expect them to, right, to go back. And, and, and for that reason, right, I will spend most of my life here, right? Now, if my parents, right, I would love for my parents to come here, right, when they, when they have a health challenge. You know, we tend to bring them over here, but why can't we build infrastructure locally, right, in right. Africa, to enable them to seek the care that they need when they need it? Right. And um, so, and this includes assisted livings, right? Why don't we uh, start thinking about bringing the convenience of, you know, uh, better living with uh, healthcare for the elderly, right? Instead right. of always bringing them here. Because the reality is, whenever my mother comes to visit me here, after two weeks, she wants to go back. It doesn't matter if she was here for uh, a healthcare need, right? Right, because she needs us home. That's where her friends are. That's where her, you know, her social network is. Right. So we can't always expect our parents to come live with us here and to and to be happy, to be completely happy. They will be healthier, maybe. Right. Right. But we think there's there's you know there's more to health than just you know the physical body. Right. The, the you know they they need to to also be at peace, right? They need to have those interactions, social interactions that, that collectively will uh, improve their, uh, their health uh, status. So um, yes, definitely assisted living um, in, in our countries is certainly uh, another uh, thing that we have in mind, you know, on, on our roadmap. Wow, wow, very nice. No, this is good uh, because, uh, and exactly like you said, uh, you know, People who come from, uh, you know, our, our um, parents or our relatives who come from India or Nigeria or Cameroon, they have their established social network. So they cannot necessarily just leave all that and, and be friends with our friends, right? So it is Absolutely. always a challenge. Um, and then just one question around uh, the fact you mentioned about... Uh, uh, you know, your 
plans of growth in India and other places. So I know for sure that I have missed Uber, Tesla, Bitcoin, and maybe Roblox, right? (laughs) (laughs) So how can anyone get to be a partner or investor in this process? And uh, also, if somebody wants to have you as a mentor, they are just kind of starting up um, and they want to kind of reach out to you because not only you provide inspiration, but you provide some strategies as well. Uh, Is there a way to do that? Is there a website or an email address? So again, my question always has two parts and I'm sorry about that. So the first thing is how does one get to be a partner slash investor in this process? And then if somebody needs mentorship or inspiration from you directly, how does he get in touch with you? No, absolutely. Um, so we, uh, uh, our website is www.diasporcare.com. Diasporcare, like diaspora, like in diaspora. Like diaspora um, yeah, in fact, so we are um, we are funding, we are raise, uh, raising funding, uh, money for funding right now. We are interested in in, uh, in investment. But interestingly, you know, Shil, you know, our initial development team was um, was based in India, um, and uh, yes, we did a lot of work locally to assess the opportunity, and they kept telling us, you know. We, we got to do this in India. We got to do this in India. Mm-hmm. We're looking for problems. So anybody can con- contact me. Um, please, uh, I will let you um, know what my LinkedIn, LinkedIn information is and folks can connect, connect with me uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, right. Anytime. Sure. And then... And same thing for mentorship. Uh, you know, I, I do mentor a few people and I'm always excited to, uh, to do so. So, uh, uh, yes, I will. I'm available. I'm available on LinkedIn. Great, great. No, this is good. Uh, I mean, I'll definitely enroll for that. And then, uh, so just one question before I wrap up. I know I've already taken half hour of your time. So if you were to choose one thing that could have been done differently, you know, while doing this, uh, not necessarily very philosophical question, just, just about the product. What one thing could have been done different? by you if you were to choose one thing that you could have done differently? <laughs> Many things. <laughs> we, did, we did iterate quite a bit. Uh, wow. too, and we're not done, right? We are not done uh, iterating. Uh, you know, one of the, um, the, the latest thing really, uh, Shil, is so we realized that, yes, we are taking away at least significantly, we are transferring the risk of uh, financial uh, bankruptcy, you know, from our beneficiary, our loved ones, right? We're bringing that risk onto us. But, you know, I mean, think about it. Nobody wants to, I mean, micro payments make sense and they're really good, right? Every time, you know, you spend a dollar or two and then, you know, you get a, an SMS from your uncle that he gets his medicine. Uh, that's exciting. At the same time, nobody wants to get a couple bills of $20,000, right? Hospitalization bills. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that yeah. aspect is a little scary. And we came actually to discover that as a, you know, kind of a, a little concern that uh, diaspora members have when they learn about our product. So um, we are partnering with health insurance companies, right, back home. Uh, and they are happy about that partnerships. Those health insurance companies are happy about it because now, um, 
a diaspora member can pay the premium of a loved one, right? And transfer that the risk back to an insurance company, the right partner. I'm happy to pay, you know, the premium for my loved ones, right? And if right. Uh, the, you know, there's a, a huge medical bill, the, the health insurance company can take, can take care of that. This arrangement is really mutually beneficial, right? Because um, the, the health insurance company, the local health insurance company, company cannot leverage a network of global payers, right, for right. local beneficiaries. And then anything that is not covered by the health insurance, all the co-pays, right, and the, all the out-of-pocket portions, essentially can continue to be paid, right, uh, through diaspora care. So um, health insurance company are leveraging our platform as a payment system as well. And this, uh, this new iteration is something that we, we didn't really think about at the beginning. So there are constant tweaks that we are, you know, we continue to learn and to evolve this, um, this model. Wow. No, it is exciting. It, this, is, this is good. And especially, you know, you're solving a problem that folks have been having since the last, I know, 45, 50 years at least. Right. So uh, whenever that immigration started, immigration for better life started. Right. So, so this is so interesting. So uh, any any other last thoughts that you wanted to exchange? Yeah. So if I if I could uh, perhaps share, this is more philosophical than anything else. But but I, I really I really believe I'm a really firm, uh, strong believer in universal healthcare. And I think that healthcare is, is a human right. Absolutely. So when you think about um, sustainable development goals, when you think, you think about how many children die before the age of five, right? Because they couldn't get, you know, a vaccine on time or because they, they couldn't get uh, malaria medicine. Right, malaria is still one of the top killers in developing countries, especially in sub-Saharan African countries. You know, it's uh, it becomes a matter of well, this is unacceptable, but at the same time, me as a busy diaspora member here, right, um, I don't always have the mental bandwidth, right, to be able to assist even children, uh, you know, uh, in my family back home, right. I cannot easily prevent those types of things from happening. Right. So really our platform brings a convenience, right? And actually takes away some of the, you know, the, the, the challenges and, you know, of, of tracking the health of a lot of folks, right? For busy professionals like us. And, and, and really, it's really through that participation that we can start thinking about uh, including more people into the healthcare. The other thought around that is really, the idea of mutualizing um, the diaspora communities, right? To be able to bring a solution uh, that is more scalable to those challenges of healthcare exclusion. So for instance, I mean, just look at the amount of, of, of remittances, right? That diaspora move, organizing those remittances Right and purposefully, purposefully directing them towards lifting large numbers of folks back back home in our community. Right, I think could be a much more efficient way 
to solve issues such as, you know, child mortality or maternal mortality and those types of things. Because we are organized by tribes, right? The Cameroonians here get together uh, mostly on a tribal basis. People from my tribe get together here in the state of Minnesota on a regular basis. We have an association that is called Fab, Fabami, right? Because you know, Bamileke is right. Family Bamileke. Um, you know, the Nigerians do the same thing. The Igbos get to get together, right, on their ethnic base, uh, basis. So why not join our effort, right, and collectively send our remittances back home, right, to support, I mean, to provide health insurance, right, even public health insurance, Right, which is capped, but nonetheless, which is, you know, which is part of the government health and uh, universal health care program, we could sponsor children through that, through public health insurance program back home and lift large numbers of people out of poverty. So um, really, parting words is, is really um, thinking about mutualizing ourselves and, and, and bringing large scale changes ourselves, not counting on our governments to do it, not counting on foreign direct investments to do it, but rather um, leveraging the additional um, engagement, right, and passion that comes with, we're doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for our families, right? And uh, we can quit. This is our problem to solve, and we are going to own it, and we will solve it because we are the best position than anybody else to solve it. Right, right. Very nice. Very nice. So, so thank you again, Sir Jalen. This was a great walkthrough of unique, of this unique way of reaching out and helping your loved ones in another country. And it was very inspiring to our listeners to walk the steps you have taken and all along, you know, the way you have been driven to get this product into the hands of the, the end users. So, so thank you for that. And thanks again for your time. And listeners, please feel free to reach me at shil.niyogi, S-H-I-L dot N-I-Y-O-G-I at gmail.com if you have any questions. Thanks again for listening, guys. Thank you very much, Shil. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.